I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 7 as we are continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Actually, this morning, wrapping up this series called Untwisting Scripture. And in our conclusion uh, sermon this morning, we're not focusing so much on the Scripture itself that we're looking to untwist, but rather on people who twist the Scripture. There are some people who simply preach a gospel that is not correct. Gospel, the word means good news. If somebody's presenting good news, it's just, it's incorrect. There are some people who, who purposefully work to manipulate you and your understanding and your thoughts and your spirituality for their own good. This morning, we're going to look at and see the dangers of false prophets. We're going to see how to spot a false teacher. And we're going to learn that this is a really big deal. I'll be honest with you, it's much more difficult for me as a pastor to fix bad doctrine. That takes more time. Maybe maybe it's something that, that someone learned growing up. Maybe it's something that, that, that somebody from uh, another faith walk taught you that was just, it's a wrong gospel. There's, it puts people in jeopardy. And it is much more difficult to repair later. That's why it's so important that we get this right. That's why it's so important that we teach our children correctly. Because our kids are going to teach others someday. I want you to see what the Bible says about this. Come with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start this morning in verse number 15. Jesus says this. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We're going to stop right there. We're going to get really quickly into the first point in your notes this morning. For those of you just joining us on the left-hand side of your bulletin, on the inside, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks, and there's pins in the back, and we're going to have those blanks and, uh, and the words up here on the screen for you. Point number one in your notes this morning, false teachers look innocent, but seek to undermine the teachings of Jesus to gain influence for themselves or their cause. I know that's long, and it's longer than most points are in your notes, but it's very important to understand that false teachers have a different intent. It's not about Jesus. It's about either, even either them or their cause. Jesus speaks on this subject in the Sermon on the Mount. Later in the New Testament, Peter speaks on this subject. Paul speaks on this subject. Because it's evident that during the time of the New Testament, see, when Jesus is getting the Sermon on the Mount, we're in about year... 30, 29 AD. By the time Peter writes about it, we're in about 60 AD. You and I, we're 2,000 years later, there's still false prophets. It's that important. So, what does a false teacher look like in our world? How do we, how do we spot? How do we tell the difference? I can tell you one thing, that they're not going to be wearing a wolf costume. <laughs> See, False teachers are so difficult to notice at first glance. 
Well, let's see, if you, if you remember any of the kids' magazines, maybe you go to the doctor's office and there's a kids' magazine in the doctor's office and you're just waiting, but you're thumbing through looking for something to do. And there's normally a page that has some games on it, right? And so you come to this page and, and there's nine squares and it's one of the most popular games in the magazine. You've done this before, it's called Spot the Difference. And what you see is nine pictures of a fox eating spaghetti. And there's nine boxes and it says, find the one that's different. And you're looking at these boxes and, and just studying them so hard. What? You give it to the kids and let the kids look at it and say, hey, can you spot, can you spot the difference? And after about five minutes, you're thinking, this game is fooling me. They, they, they made a mistake. I can't see the difference. They're all the same. That's what a false teacher is like. That's what false teachers are like. See, what happens is another mom in the waiting room comes over, takes a look at it, and says, oh, there it is right there. And you're like, what? It looks like a fox eating spaghetti. And she says, oh, look, this one has nine meatballs on the plate of spaghetti. All these other ones only have eight meatballs on them. It's just that, it's that one little thing in the picture that you hardly notice, but it's not the gospel. See, that makes that picture different. If you say, well, what, is, what does one meatball do? How much does that change it? It's not the same picture, right? I mean, the game's called Spot the Difference on purpose because this one is different. It's not the same as the others. It's an incorrect copy. It's not equal. Warren Worsby writes this. He says, Satan is the counterfeiter. He says he has a false gospel preached by false ministers producing false Christians. Satan plants his counterfeits wherever God plants his true believers. Wow. Does that mean we're vulnerable? Yeah. That means we're vulnerable. That means that, that there are false teachers around us. I want you to see what Peter says. This is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. He says, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their, their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. <clears throat> That's a pretty big warning. So, where are you going to find false teachers in our modern day? It's a little bit different than in their days of somebody walking into a city and starting to preach. Where are we going to find false teachers in, in our day? Well, we just heard a minute ago that you're going to find them wherever it is that you're possibly going to look for truth. Where is it that you're going to look for truth? It's not simply in the church these days that you're going to find false teachers. As a matter of fact, they know that they can get you easier Monday through Saturday than they can on Sunday. That's where they're going to pray. You know where false teachers love to hang out? You know where they love to hang out? They love to hang out on YouTube. They really do. They love to hang out on, on Google and on, on Facebook and, and on, on certain memes that, that seem to give an entire gospel message with a frog drinking tea, right? I mean, it, it, it's, 
And maybe they're outside of Circle K with a rack of books. And you've got false teachers. It used to be back in the day, if somebody was on television, if somebody was on TV, it came with automatic credibility. Okay, they're on TV. They must be credible. And then we learned when somebody said, hey, yeah, I was on TV, I was on Cops. And when we find out that they're the guy who got their face planted into the concrete and got cuffs on them, that yes, they were on Cops, but no, they're not credible. And so we've learned that being on TV does not make somebody truthful. Having a lot of followers on social media does not make somebody truthful. Think about this. Why do we give instant credibility to somebody who has been on television? Or maybe somebody who's written a book? Or maybe somebody who has a, just a ton of followers on social media? How can we give them instant credibility? I'm going to tell you something. Anyone can write a book. Anyone can have a book published. Anyone can get on YouTube and get a, a, a few thousand followers. Anyone can get on television these days. Some false teachers even have academic degrees. I'll get this. This is important because we see this on the front of books sometimes. You'll see, you'll see so-and-so PhD, right? Some false teachers even have academic degrees. You know that just because somebody has a PhD, it doesn't mean that they're not harmful. Some people go to school to get their PhDs and then they come into our society and they sign prescriptions for what is now a legal drug but is still harmful to people and to societies. They have a PhD. Some people go to school to get a PhD and then they might be in a profession of taking the lives of preborn babies. That's an academic degree, but still in an area that hurts people. A PhD does not bring instant credibility. Those teachers, they're, they're everywhere. As you walk out the door today, false teachers are going to try and get your attention. How can we discern them? false teachers. I want you to see what Jesus tells us to look for. Come back with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're in verse number 17. Jesus says this. He says, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. You will know false teachers by their fruit, their produce, how the fruit is growing on their branches. That leads us to point number two in your notes this morning. Watch this. This is so important. There is no need in the kingdom of God for dead wood. There's no need in the kingdom of God for dead wood. It produces bad fruit. It's not good for us. There's some major differences that I want you to see when determining a messenger that is bringing truthful biblical content 
We're going to be in 2 Peter, and we're going to see the difference in the qualities of false teachers and somebody who is godly. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's some of the qualities that we see in godly teachers and godly people. We see faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control. We see patient endurance. We see godliness, brotherly affection, love for everyone. Now, is every teacher going to live up to every one of those marks every single time? Please don't hold me that high. Don't. But are good teachers striving to? Yes. Absolutely, they are. Peter says this in verse number 8. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, your fruit, he says, where you are, what, what you are putting yourself into is going to help you grow. The very next chapter, Peter gives us qualities of ungodly teachers. And we're going to jump through a few verses. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse number 2, he says, Many will follow their depraved product, or conduct rather. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Verse number 10 says, They follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. They are bold and arrogant. Verse 12, but these people blasphemy in matters they do not understand. They are blots and blemishes, revealing in their pleasures, while, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed. They have left the straight way and wandered off. Verse 17, these people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. For their mouth, for they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Those are some pretty deep qualities. But it'd be fair to say that some of those qualities are easy to spot if we're looking for them. If we have our, if we, if we have our, our guards up. Peter just said, I want you to see this. Peter just said and told us who was the most vulnerable to false teachers. It's those who are just escaping from those who live in error. What does that mean? He's talking about new Christians. He's talking about those who are trying to get out of sin. They're trying to escape people who are living in sin. They're trying to get out of that lifestyle. They're trying to get into a lifestyle of Jesus. It's all new. They're vulnerable right now. He says, he says it's those who can't yet see the wolf inside the sheepskin. 
everyone here has seen the documentary of animals in Africa and you see the lion that's chasing the, the whole herd of gazelles or antelopes or whatever those animals are that are running, right? One of them is going to be food in just a minute. You know which one that is? That's the one at the back of the pack who's running the slowest, the easy one to pick off. Low-hanging fruit. The most vulnerable is the one that's getting eaten first in, in add-on safari. Those who are young in the faith, vulnerable. That might be you this morning. And if you're in that position this morning, I want you to pull close. I want you to pull close to your church. I want you to pull close to your small group. We pull closer together so that we can walk through this together. Amen. So that we're not leaving any of our family members, our church family members, in the back of the pack to be picked off by false teachers. We take care of each other, right? Because these lions and these wolves, they, they look exactly like truth tellers. It's not fair, and it's not right, and God knows what they're doing, and he's already planned the situation. He's already taken care of it. I want you to see what Jesus says about this. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21. Jesus says, that's not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will in, uh, in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name and we cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. And I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Point number three in your notes is this. There is an internal penalty for false teachers. There is an eternal penalty for false teachers. Jesus tells us here in the Sermon on the Mount that God is not going to let this go without penalty. Some might say, well, Pastor, isn't, isn't, that, a, isn't that a little bit harsh? Look, I didn't, I didn't write the book. God, though, takes teaching others very seriously. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you an illustration when we were in our Who's Your One series, and it was an illustration that was showing us the ministries that led to Billy Graham being saved. Many of you know Billy Graham, you've heard of him, you've, you, you've heard some of his, his preaching maybe on the radio, or, or maybe you went to one of his crusades. Billy Graham reached millions worldwide. And we had seen this list, this illustration of spiritual dominoes. A gentleman by the name of Edward Kimball, he influenced a gentleman by the name of D.L. Moody, who influenced F.B. Meyer, who influenced J. Wilbur Chapman, who came and influenced Billy Sunday, who influenced Mordecai Ham, who influenced Billy Graham, who turned and influenced millions. In our context a couple of weeks ago, we said, who's your one? Who's that one person in your life that you're reaching out to because you, you don't know that one person could be the next person that's going to go and reach millions. But I want you to realize this. The spiritual dominoes, they also can fall even when somebody is misdirected. 
You can simply take one mom. Maybe it's one mom who's out looking for truth somewhere, looking for answers, and she's in a weak state and answers the door. Somebody knocks on her door and she lets a, a, a cult come in and then ends up going to, to meetings during the week and then ends up taking the kids later on. Then it, it, it invites the, the, the family. And then what we see are the dominoes starting to fall to false teachers. See, it works. When, when you bring your one to Christ, can that multiply? Absolutely. But if somebody falls to false teachers, can that multiply as well? Absolutely, it can. Kids grow up and under their guidance, their kids, they can be part of a generation and another generation that is spiritually doomed because somebody was very vulnerable and had no family around to protect. They got picked off really easily. I want you to see what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writes this. He says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preached, or a different kind of or a different kind of gospel. A different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. So what so what does Paul do to combat these false teachers? He's, he's, he's told the church in Corinth, he says, I can see you're vulnerable. I can see you're weak because somebody else shows up preaching another Jesus and you're buying that story and walking down that road. So what is it that Paul does to combat these, these false teachers? First and foremost, he keeps preaching. He keeps going. He doesn't stop. He actually, he doesn't waver. He just gives it more. He gives his faith more. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter, where in chapter 11, verse 12, he says, but I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. They look just like truth tellers. Now it's not our job to make eternal judgments about somebody. It's not our job to determine their eternal destiny. But we have to know what it is we are taking in. We have to know, is this pure? I think most people here, if we put a plate of food in front of you, would be able to determine on that plate of food if it is healthy to eat or not. If you see mold growing all over this plate, most of us would say, I am not going to eat that. Only the person who's been double dared to eat that might possibly eat that. Nobody else is going to. See, that's what happens when somebody comes and they bring a false gospel with mold. We need to be able to determine to look at this and see, look, this isn't healthy. This isn't right. This isn't healthy. I want you to see how important it is to follow the words of Jesus. 
as in the Protestant Reformation, back in the 1500s, Martin Luther was part of this initial process. And one of the cries of the Reformation was sola scriptura. It means scripture alone is our authority. Not the authority of the church, not the authority of tradition, not the authority of the Pope. Scripture alone is our authority. It's the words of Jesus. That's where we come back to. If you're preaching something that distorts this truth, it is a false gospel. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with one with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. And we still still find in your notes this morning. False teachers are dangerous. False teachers are dangerous. If you or I were to try and build a house here in the state of California, you have to build a house that's up to building codes. You can't just go out and take some wood and some nails and start making a box and move your family into it, right? You can't. If you are trying to build a house on sand, the building department would come and they would say, you can't build a house like that because why? It's dangerous. See what Jesus is saying? Rock. Safe. Anything else? Dangerous. Paul says this, he talks about the dangers in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 again. He says, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the desert, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. When things are dangerous, it would be understandable that we need protection. As our church grows, I want you to know that I take, I take this protectionism very, very seriously. It's an area that, that I take deep care of. If you ever come to one of our Bible studies... Wednesday night, Thursday night, you ever come to, to youth group, you ever come to, to children's ministry, I want you to know that every piece of curriculum has been vetted. Everything that we teach is teaching a gospel directly from the Bible. It'll be fair to say, if we're going to teach something, we, we better make sure that it's teaching the correct gospel, the correct word of God. There's a reason why everything that is taught it goes through a vetting process it has to be looked at we have to look into who wrote this book who's the author of this what's their background what's in here that might be off base 
a little bit, even a little bit. That's going to go for our teachers as well. That's going to go for people who teach our classes. If you come to one of our small groups, I want you to know that if, if somebody is leading that small group, they have been vetted. It would be improper for us to put a false teacher in front of the church in any capacity. It is so important. That's one of my jobs is to protect. And I can protect in the way of curriculum and what comes from this pulpit. But see, there's only so much that I can protect. But it'd be fair to say, as a family, we need to be able to protect each other, right? We need to be able to protect each other. We need to be talking to each other. We need to be listening to each other. There's sometimes you will hear something that is simply off base. Do we need to correct it? Yeah, we can correct it together. We can talk about it together. Sometimes we need to protect each other from false teachers. Something You might know something about a teacher that somebody else, somebody vulnerable, just coming into the faith, doesn't know about this guy on the radio who may have, instead of asking for food for the homeless, asks for money for a personal jet. There are false teachers. There are people who can be harmful even within our faith. Because false teachers are dangerous and they look like you and I and they're hard to weed out, I want you to be diligent. I want you to be discerning. I want you to know and I want you to get closer to what's being taught. If you're in your word every day, if you start to know your word, be fair to say, if you read that and you listen to somebody on the radio and you say, you know what, I didn't, that's, I, I, I didn't get that. Like, I, want, I should probably go back and look at this. Question it. I want you to question everything. I want you to take everything back to the Bible. I want you to question me and take it back. Take it back to the Bible. As a church and as Christians, we need to protect ourselves. We need to guard our hearts. And we need to guard the flock. We need to watch over each other. Jesus says this in John 15. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit, if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That's a key to some false teachers. Some false teachers may have known something at some point, but they failed to remain in Christ. You can teach. We've already talked about you can go and get a PhD and move into a college and start teaching. But if you have not remained in Christ, you are empty words. It's just sound. Here's one final warning this morning. This morning we've been looking at false teachers and what false teachers look like so that we could recognize, we could recognize those who we need to guard ourselves from. But I wonder what other people say other people in your life, I wonder what they say when they listen to your message. See, everyone in your life is also trying to discern truth. 
There might be a young Christian in your life who is vulnerable right now, and they're looking at you. They're looking up to you. Do you know how they're going to know if you are a false teacher or not? They're going to know it by your fruit. That's how we determine others. That's how others determine us. Does your belief translate into your behavior? Are you taking the biblical message and turning it into a biblical, God-honoring lifestyle? Just as we are focused on how to tell the difference between sheep and wolves, so is everyone else. So is everyone else in your life. I don't want you to be a wolf in sheep's clothing, but I want you to be a lamb of God that is pursuing other lambs. We all need to be the one who's out searching for others. They will know how truthful your witness is by your fruit, by your actions. It's what we do as Christians when people know about our faith, when they are watching us. They don't take our, their eyes off of us when we say, no one's watching, it's okay to sin. They still see us, God still sees us. How will they know the truthfulness of your witness? They will know it by your fruit. 